Hello and welcome to Cast Me to Hell with me, Robbie. And today I am rejoined by Charlie Menzies from Powerable Games. Uh, so welcome back to the show, Charlie. Hello again. Uh, thanks for, for having me once more. That's all right, man. It was, it was a great time last time. And I'm always, you know, I think I'm quite a big fan of Shiver. So, you know, I was, I was keen to get you guys on for, you know, running this new feature. Um, so I'll jump straight into that. Um, so when we had you on the show last time, you, you did kind of tell us that you had some ideas for Shiver in the pipeline. I think we tried to squeeze some stuff out of you at the end. Um, but what made you settle on uh, the double feature, you know, the blockbuster and the slasher double feature? So for us, with this new set of expansions for Shiver, what we kind of wanted to do was have a look at both ends of the horror spectrum. I think last time I was on the podcast, I probably mentioned of kind of how I feel about horror, of it being a very broad church that includes a lot of fans um, with kind of different elements of subgenres kind of being broken up massively. Um, But the thing with horror is, is that there's such a massive scale of intensity as well of kind of like there is usually a line that people do not cross um, in terms of like where their horror sits. For some people, that's like in the sore territory, you know, blood, guts, everything. Yeah. Their line's kind of very high up on the on the horror tolerance, whilst others, um, it's a bit lower, like too many jump scares and they're piecing out of the cinema. That's yeah. it for them. <laughs> so for us, is we kind of started thinking about what subgenres would we like to explore? What subgenres would our audience like to explore? And also how could we... Um, have a look at those kind of two different ends of the spectrum of a slightly lower horror kind of entry point as well as a kind of like diehard kind of horror entry point and that's where we landed on blockbuster and slasher Um, so to explain blockbuster first a little bit um, blockbuster the idea for it in terms of tone is pictures of like Spielbergian peril is how yeah. I have I've explained it. It's low on gore, like low low on kind of like anything kind of too splattery. But there's a lot of tension, a lot of peril, monsters and beasties for your kind of characters to get gobbled up by, nice. um, and and still some element of horror. I mean, when I was a kid, the Jurassic, the Lost Raptors in Jurassic Park terrified me. Yeah, like, um, and, and and so did um, and so did Jaws. I didn't swim in the deep end of the pool for months. <laughs> It was, yeah. and, and and that's where Blockbuster sits because I think what we wanted to explore with that is that even in these big pictures that people go and see at the cinema, loads of people say, "Oh, I'm not a horror fan," but horror is everywhere, just in different levels of distillation. Um, it's always there in in some way, and we kind of wanted to kind of explore Blockbuster of being like, you may not be a diehard horror fan. Um, but you can still play like adventure stories with peril and little elements of horror in there um, to to kind of have a good time and bring those movies alive on the tabletop. Um, on the other side of the coin, we've got Slasher, which I, I don't have to delve in too hard because <laughs> every, 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 everyone knows what <laughs> Slashers are about. It's 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 more exploring like those classic um, kind of icons of horror. It's in terms of like. If we're talking about um, horror being a broad church, um, slashes is kind of like Catholicism. It's a big yeah. chunk. It's 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 a big chunk of horror, um, and also like kind of one of my favourite subgenres as well. Um, so that's more about kind of it, it provides an interesting dynamic for a tabletop game where usually you're used to throwing a variety of enemies at your players. Slasher really focuses in on what happens when it is just a singular enemy but a very very threatening one um which for me is 
very very interesting uh, as, as something to kind of play around with so yeah so, so that's kind of where the kind of ideation for it came from of like how we wanted to interact with an audience and what corners of like the horror fandom we wanted to kind of pluck from awesome because yeah i i see what you mean about blockbuster in particular and as seb who unfortunately can't be with us today is a massive fan of jurassic park and does always say that it is a horror film um myself you know saying about not swimming swimming in the the deep end of the swimming pool i was always convinced you know at night sharks would come out of those vents in there it was this weird kind of that's it exactly the same as me I was like, I remember going under under the water in the pool, goggles on and being like those vents. That's where yeah. they're coming. That's where they're going to get me from. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what I know, we, when we did Gothic, we spoke about mm. uh, some of the Gothic stories that influenced you, um, not mm. just films, but also kind of short stories. I know stuff like um, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Nosferatu, mm. Dracula. Uh, but when it's kind of blockbuster horror, you are mainly talking about big screens. So what are some mm. of the blockbuster horrors that kind of inspired you guys? Obviously yeah. Jurassic Park. Yes. Yeah, so, so so like kind of Jurassic Park and Jaws, definitely. Um, yeah. I think that one definitely landed quite hard with us as a team as like, hey, is it kind of a foundation stone? But um, other ones as well, for me, the I remember seeing it for the first time. I can't remember how old I would have been. But like some of the elements of the ghost pirates in Pirates of the Caribbean oh, awesome. of being yeah. it's like like they are surprisingly creepy, especially kind yeah. of for a Disney movie. Like they it, they go quite far with it. And I and I loved it for it. Um, so that's definitely kind of one of those. Um, from my earlier childhoods, I think um elements of like close encounters, definitely. Yeah. Um, but but um in terms of more like aggressive aliens, um, Independence Day. So th- yes. there, there, there is. Um, I remember as a kid, there's a scene in Independence Day, which is just like a gloriously campy movie, um, and so deeply American. <laughs> Definitely, um, it's, it, it's yeah. Um, uh, when they're in Area Fifty One, spoilers ahead, um, and they've captured one of the aliens, and they're cracking open like its exoskeleton, yeah, and it attacks a scientist, and it puppets a scientists to talk yes. to them through the glass and that always stuck with me as a kid as being just genuinely really quite terrifying well it is um, it's a pretty terrifying yeah. scene um mm. the one that always jumps out for me sorry to cut in is the uh, yeah. is signs you know with the oh video yeah. that is i i've i don't think i've seen signs since i watched it on vhs when it first came out and that scene mm. stuck with me as well you know and, and like you said it's big budget you know it's blockbuster mm. horror yeah so signs definitely so like um if my brother was here if that because we watched that one together when we were kids yeah uh it's, it's the um the birthday party videotape yes haunted oh. our dreams for so long there was something <laughs> about at the time as you look back now it's a little bit janky now i'd say by kind of like effect standards and stuff yeah, but probably. the bill that but like the there's a weird thing with that scene of like the emotion of the scene and how they approached it was yeah. so good and it's the reaction of the kids um is the thing i think like as a kid just seeing how panicked and terrified and it felt like a real birthday party yeah like that that was that was part of the thing um but all the little builds up of like the silhouette on the roof the leg in the cornfield just all of those little snippets like really obscuring the creatures for as long as possible the hand on his face in the out of the coal shoot that always got us yeah. when they're in the basement oh 
Oh, horrible. <laughs> so um, horrible, man. But yeah, it's it it's it's yeah. So like with the aliens is a is a a big one from kind of like childhood, uh, which we explore a little bit in uh, Blockbuster in a more like Guardians of the Galaxy style sense, yeah. um, okay. which is quite fun. But I'm just trying to think if there are any more. That there are there are definitely ones, but this is the thing with Blockbuster. It's kind of almost quite an instinctual part of my brain yeah. from when I was a kid. And one that we've based one of the stories off of, which I always remember finding not, I don't think I remember the film being actively scary, but like the concept of it was, uh, which is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay. Um, so being made small and having insects and spiders and those kind of things, like things that you find a bit creepy as a kid, yeah. suddenly being super scaled um, in comparison to you. That always creeps me out, and that formed a foundation for one of the stories in Blockbuster. Yeah, of just it just being just I don't want to have to face a giant spider. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's yeah. Abs- they are. I mean, spiders are gross enough as it is, and now imagine mm. one absolutely blown up. Um, yeah. yeah, I did. I mean, I, I mm. kind of just looking over on the um, you know RPG players Shiver RPG players Facebook group now, I can see mm. that you know you've got. Um, 48-hour early bird goal, which looks quite fun, which is slashes versus dinosaurs. Um, yes. I definitely think there's some good stuff <laughs> there. It's mainly because I know one of the um, one of the kind of po- posters or drawings you put up for Shiver Double Feature is, you know, the the skeleton knight. Uh, now that, that mm-hmm. made me think potentially maybe Army of Darkness as well in there, you know, because that's quite is it's fun. Yeah. It's blockbuster. It's a bit campy. <laughs> So definitely Army of Darkness for that story. So that's our medieval dead story, as we okay. called it. Um, yeah, it is. It's definitely Army of Darkness was a big influence. Um, I absolutely loved that movie. In terms of stuff that scared me, that was an influence though for that. Like that was definitely an influence for that story. Yeah. Um, for when me and Adam were kind of uh, looking that one over and developing it. But there's also a thing of like a discussion that kind of more happened between me and my brother about what kind of other bits are of like kind of fantasy are creepy and yeah. we landed on a lot of like there are moments in like kind of like the proper like 1980s sword and sorcery elements that are quite creepy and we remember that like a lot of the jim henson stuff for yeah. us was quite creepy like labyrinth and the dark crystal yeah um like Something about the quite slight uh, grotesquerie uh, of, of the puppetry and stuff within it uh, was quite creepy, um, as well as ridiculous at the same time. But those those fantasy movies were a lot darker. They had a lot of darkness in them. Yeah. Um. I rewatched um. What was it Ridley Scott's Legend recently, and that yeah. film feels like an absolute fever dream. Like it's very, it's very strange. It's it's like very young Tom Cruise. I think it's like one of okay. his first ever roles yeah. with Tim Curry basically <laughs> playing the devil. Um, okay, and 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 it's and it's yeah. There's such a strange mood and tone to a lot of the early fantasy stuff that is quite nightmarish. Um, I think that's kind of what we wanted to capture. And also, like there there are those horror elements like in classic fantasy stories. If you're going on a quest fighting monsters. Yeah, like it, it's just a it's just a big element of it. And for us in Blockbuster, it was in the thing we tried to kind of have a look at, like, okay, what are like the big movie subgenres? What are like yeah. the big Blockbuster elements that we want to temp poles that we want to to kind of try our hand at? And fantasy was one of them. And then very much went down the army of darkness, <laughs> nice spooky man. skeletons, and, and necromancers route with it. 
Well, the, speaking about kind of fantasy and, and that kind of horror in it, there was always, I haven't seen the film probably since I was in year three. And I remember watching it on, you know, they brought VHS in and they brought the big TV that was, you know, massive on, <laughs> they rolled that in. And it was a never ending story. And it's the scene with the horse in the in the in the quagmire terrified me. Mm. I think I cried. I don't know. Ever. Yeah, I no, haven't watched uh, it since. Yeah, that's that's it. That that was another touchstone uh, for me and my brother's childhood trauma um, <laughs> from 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 movie going. Um, yeah, there's the scene. There's a scene with the horse, which is awful. Um, yeah. and yeah, I think I had a similar reaction. There's also like a very creepy animatronic like wolf. From okay. what I remember, yeah, um, like that's hunting them through the forest at certain points, and it's it's yeah, but like that really, I think that scene with the horse evokes like that element that I think yeah. legend has as well in places that almost nightmarish dream logic feeling. Yeah, that's it. Of, yeah. of, of of that era of fantasy that was just like, man, like people think this is for kids, but it is grimly dark. At points. Yeah, no, yeah. it's awesome. Man. Mm. I'm kind of sh- shifting gears a little bit to slasher. Um, mm. So in you know in the Shiver Core book we've got four slashes. I, I won't you know spoil them for those who, who might not have taken the chance to get it yet. But my personal favourite is the Hangman. Um, mm. I've kind of read a lot about him and how he plays, and I'm lo- looking forward to getting him stuck in. Um, with the new slashes coming, do, you know, are there many more? And what was the process like for kind of creating a slasher villain? So. The process for us for creating a slasher villain is it always kind of comes down to story and motivation first. Like that for me is like always where like kind of the best slashers come. I mean, even with Michael Myers, who some may argue is like a motivationless killer in some ways, yeah. he's just pure evil. But in a way, that that sense of um the hunt for actually trying to figure out what he is and landing it on it is, is a motivation evil. in is, itself. Yeah. It, is, it is a motivation in itself. So, so, so that's always our starting point. Um, so it always kind of ties into the story and is often figuring out who the slasher is, why are they doing what they're doing, what motivates them, what fuels them, um, what what potentially could kind of stop them in their tracks. Like what could the players levy from the story um, yeah. to kind of stop them you know rather than you know like the magical dagger or something like that it's there can be some other elements that can be played upon um with slashes like with jason finding out um his backstory and understanding that he's a frightened of water because that's how he originally died yeah um like like there's those elements that i think are are kind of really really interesting so so that's our kind of foundation point then we start looking at them um from a more mechanical standpoint of being first they're a solo enemy most of the time some may have minions or some uh, other elements depending on what scale of the supernatural they land on um because there is a bit more of a spread um in the slasher book uh coming out with double feature of of some that are are slightly more grounded some that are wildly supernatural i would (laughs) say um which which is a lot of fun i i'm a big fan of a supernatural slasher myself um i i like it when they are in in this kind of realms of of, of weird, personally. Yeah. But that is, it's kind of like looking at what kind of slasher are they? Are they a tanky bruiser that is just like an unstoppable force of nature? So nearly like you could throw five, six rounds of combat at it and you're barely making a dent. Yeah. Um, so, so they are just kind of a slow-moving, unstoppable force. 
Are they more like, um, I'd say Ghostface is a really good example of this from Scream. Um, what I would say is kind of like a smash and grab slasher is kind yeah. of what I think we've referred to them as before. They basically come in, terrorize, smoke bomb, and go. gone. And, yeah. they, and they go. And, and, and it, it's just this constant, it's a different dynamic of like, rather than the slow moving bulldozer that you can't stop, you kind of have a slasher who's on the complete other end of the spectrum is that like they seem more fragile and they seem more human, but you never know when they're going to turn up. Yeah. Um, and the mechanics and then, of that, like you said, yeah. are quite interesting. I think mm. one of the uh, slashers in, you know, in the core book of Shiver does have that ability when they're out of sight to just disappear. And I guess, yes. you know, coming up with the concepts behind it and how they, how they work within the game world must be really interesting and quite challenging. Mm. And then I say like our third element, is I would say kind of like the law relevant stuff. So kind of anything that's kind of a bit more mystical, um, anything that's a bit more kind of specific to them, almost bringing that story element back in kind of a mechanics. And quite often that has a supernatural tinge um, yeah. to it in some way. Um, and then from there, in terms of like how we're advancing slashes compared to the core book. Um, so the slashes in the core book run off the regular React tables that we yeah. designed for the core game. So in Slasher, the objective with them is that each Slasher has their own personal React table. Okay. So each React table is custom to the Slasher that is the key antagonist in the story. So when you actually come across them in kind of your your final showdown, um, you will kind of get to experience the full force of their reactions um, and maybe learn about what, what their style of, um kind of like combat and attacks alike as they kind of harry you throughout the game um but it's to make them feel like a unique threat um like kind of giving you that sense of kind of a boss level enemy um because ultimately it's doing a slasher is almost like doing a a movie is a bit like doing a boss run where there's just one boss yeah um there is it there aren't usually there's not other enemies like in some cases there are but for most, it's like really the big threat is that singular one. Yeah. So that was one of the things that we kind of set out to do kind of very early on is that each slasher in each story is going to have a unique react table because it makes them feel unique. It makes them feel more dangerous. Yeah. Um, and also their reaction rates are usually quite high. No. <laughs> so, so the, <laughs> yeah. DEFCON, the DEFCON levels are going to be uh, pretty, uh, pretty near the top. I'd yeah, the say. stakes are pretty yeah. high when it comes to them. Um, mm. So, I mean, who is your favourite slasher in you know in in the horror pantheon of the slashers? Who's who is your go-to? Ooh, that's a. I thought I'd throw a little curveball at you. That's, you know? That is a toughie because I because I like them all for different reasons. I would say there's something about the silent kind of unstoppable menace of michael myers that i've always really loved and i've loved i really love that um the like he's just pure evil i I enjoy that (laughs) as an idea um that really really uh kind of got me uh one that's an interesting one in terms of like looking back reflexively at slashers have you seen um the right behind the mask rise of leslie vernon i love so like i think like Leslie Vernon, I think is a really interesting one of like a slasher with a very unique motivation. Yeah. You actually, they almost a little bit, uh, they kind of tip their hat to um, Henry portrait of a serial killer in, in a lot of ways with that film of basically being like, you kind of almost get to like this guy, yeah. but then you very quickly start falling down the rabbit hole of 
but he is a killer. He yeah. is actually a slasher. Like he's <laughs> so not well he's not joking. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you still kind of like him and root for him a little bit because he's so dedicated and sweet and is very like kind yeah. of focused on what he wants to do. And it's a very odd mix. I think it, he was a very um I think he's only a slasher you can appreciate if you've watched a lot of other slashers. Yeah, um, it's a it's a really clever kind of deconstruction of it, but without mm. kind of going to you know parody mm. levels. There's, I mean, there's a scene in it uh, mm. where he's talking about setting up kind of like a almost like a run for this final mm-hmm. girl he's chosen, and he's I know he gets an axe in it, and he's kind of breaking and damaging the axe and saying, "Well, mm. she can hit me once, and then the axe can break. You know, I can kind mm. of make it a fair fight." And yeah, it's such a it's such a good deconstruction of it. Um, mm. But going yeah. back to the the reaction tables, which is something that I think you know, um, Shiver's done really well to bring in kind of mix up combat in terms of tabletop RPGs. And there's a lot of things that I do, I think Shiver does extremely well, such as you know having being wounded as its own mechanic within the game, having different levels of fear and infection. Are there any new gameplay elements being brought in with Double Feature that you can tell us about? Yes. So each um, each side of the coin, so Blockbuster and Slasher, have a new mechanical um, arc, I would say, uh, that's being brought in. So Blockbuster, um, and they're all designed, um, their main focus is, is to link um, singular stories together in a unique and interesting way. Okay. Um, that means that like continuous play is kind of rewarding and there's a, there's kind of more elements and nuance to it. So on the Blockbuster side, uh, we have Shiver's uh, Road to Stardom, okay. where the idea with Blockbuster is that you're actually, to help lower the fear tone even more, you're actually kind of engaging in a bit of a meta game of that you are playing an actor who's playing in these movies. <laughs> so, so the horror, the, the kind of the spooky kind of blockbusters that you're in aren't actually happening. Um, you, you're actually, you're an actor playing in a movie okay. is the idea. Yeah. So if your character, if your character dies, your actor lives on. Yeah. Um, and the idea is, is that in between each session, um, uh, award season rolls around and you can get positive <laughs> awards or you can get negative awards get um, that, are gonna alter, that are going to alter your performance and you can potentially be better or worse in your next movie that you're doing oh, wow. um, and there's also a little meta narrative that goes underneath of that as the actors on the studio lot there's something mysterious going on so you get to play as your actors potentially okay. in, in, in little mini stories in between yeah. as you kind of connect the dots in a bit more of a mystery kind of investigation um, which has definitely has a horror bent uh, to yeah. it. Um, so on the slasher side, um, the book's called Generation Murder, um, which is a bit of a clue to what the kind of mechanics are. So I've created something that's called the inheritance system with okay. slasher. So in slasher, uh, slasher movies are deadly. Um, it's quite likely that you know a certain percentage of the players and their characters aren't going to survive. It's so kind of we're, we're, and we were kind of thinking of like, well how can we make a uh, kind of like continuous play feel kind of rewarding and interconnected if people keep dying all the time? But we notice there's a certain trend kind of with slashes of that quite often in terms of like the people who are targeted, um, the kind of how the stories progress, it's yeah. kind of kept in the family. 
Okay. So what we decided to do is, and, and um, Halloween was a big one for this, uh, yeah. speaking of all the Michael Myers stuff, and our writer Adam, who's been working on Slasher and Blockbuster with me, um, he's been doing kind of, uh, kind of writing the, the stories. Uh, he's doing yeah. a fantastic job. Um, it, we had a big conversation about this when we kind of like discussed the inheritance system, and he, we both love Halloween. And he termed a phrase for um, uh, what the new David Gordon Green Halloweens are of yeah. being a requel. Of yes. like you're kind of almost taking a story, you're moving the generations forward, you're introducing characters who are linked, but moving it forwards, but still having echoes of the past connecting yeah. in. And it's like, and I've been watching those like when I kind of came up with the idea for the inheritance system. So the idea is, is that in with the inheritance system is you have a family tree. Um, okay. If you die, um, you you basically select and create a descendant, and you can pass on a certain number of things um, okay. to your kind of descendant. Now, not all of those are going to be good. Um, like some are boons and some are not so nice. So yeah. uh, the things that you can pass on is you can pass on um, artifacts. Um, so quite classic inheritance stuff. So you can pass on your baseball bat that you used to kill the nice. slasher uh, before <laughs> you died. Um, as, and also wisdoms. So potentially um, kind of in like Laurie Strode fashion, you have a granddaughter and you're worried that Michael Myers is going to come back, you maybe yeah. you stressed cardio or days at the rifle range and going hunting. Okay. And it actually yeah. manifests more as like a memory, an experience with that relative that gives you abilities, gives you boons, gives you yeah. kind of uh, element, like kind of passive elements that you can use in that story as your descendant. Yeah. However, there is a negative side to this of being kind of stuck in this almost prophesized chain of people who are going to be followed around by slashers, yeah. you do inherit some of the bad as well. So there is a trickle-down effect with trauma, um, kind of with family. So you could inherit um, an element of familial trauma um, that's okay. coming down. That could be anything yeah. from uh, the kind of setting and constant worry that there's a slasher haunting your family. Maybe you're prone to having panic attacks or okay. um, you're, you're nervous around certain things. So that's kind of what traumas manifest as they're kind of certain elements that kind kind of uh, work uh, very similar to the flaws and backgrounds, yeah. um, but with a certain kind of bent to them uh, in terms and how they work. And then on the other side of that, there's fears. And the way that we talk about this is you choose your, your normal fear if, as you're building your descendant. But on top of that, you get an additional fear. And that fear should be something that you discuss with your director that came from the previous story okay. um, or came from the experience of your of your ancestor and doing it that way. So, But the thing with this is, is that you could actually play through the story that's in Generation Murder, which goes across multiple decades. We have a prequel story in the early 1930s. Nice then it jumps to the 1950s and we run from the 1950s all the way up to now. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> in, in terms of like, diff and exploring almost the different eras of slasher films um, through, through the lens of the decade that they're set. Yeah. So you could start in the 1950s as like a kid or a preteen um, or a teenager um, roaming around on your bike in the suburbs <laughs> and survive all the way up to 2020s and be fighting a slasher with your cane as an ultragenarian. <laughs> nice. Um, if if you're if you're very kind of like survivor capable but it means that you could play one or two generations then yeah. pass and then pass on the torch and i think I, the thing I will stress is that your character doesn't have to die to move things on to a descendant yeah you can't um we, it, this introduces a nice mechanic that we're calling quite literally retiring a character because quite yeah. often it's kind of like when you hit your 70s you don't want to fight jason Voorhees. <laughs> 
no it, <laughs> it's not. kind of like the, it's this element of like pass passing the torch um yeah. kind of onwards which is which is a big thing in slasher um sequels yeah um like it's, it's such a big thing that we noticed of like this passing of the torch to family or chosen family like kind of like friends um or like kind of you know comrades that they've had in previous films who then become the main protagonist yeah. it's that element so that's that's what the inheritance system is all about so you will potentially have a kind of character <laughs> family yeah. tree sheet that you're filling in as you play different stories um yeah going um, through and, and you can see your lineage of murder um so cool. uh, as, yeah. as, as you play through <laughs> and i guess it, it not only adds kind of you know gameplay mechanics to it you know inheriting mm. uh, flaws boons all of that but it also adds a lot of role playing to it you know because shiver is it's a tabletop role playing game isn't it so mm. having a character you know having a character let's say i'm playing as somebody who survived mm. in the 50s and now the 1980s session and I'm playing with, you know, somebody whose father I was there when they died. And, you know, you can have all of those kind of interesting role play stuff. So I think that's a, that's a really, kind of a really cool way Thank of you. doing that. Um, yeah, Inbuild story is, is kind of a yeah. thing for characters. It really builds character development because there's all stuff about like kind of when you're setting up your next descendant is one of the things that I stress in there is, what was your relationship like with your yeah. ancestor? Are you similar? Are you really different? Did you get on? Were you at loggerheads? And yeah. it can really, um, that friction or like similarities and cyclical nature of kind of stories uh, within families can provide really interesting drama. And on the flip side with Blockbuster, it's exactly the same. You're, you're playing as a character who might be, ba who basically is getting typecast. And then yeah. you're also play getting to play the actor who is potentially getting um, absolutely slated in reviews, and you're getting all the like you're getting all the Razzies basically, <laughs> yeah. and it's kind of like that. how do, how does that manifest as a character? Does it affect your performance um, yeah. in the films as you go through? Do you become more wooden? Do you become more ah, I don't care kind of thing, yeah. or just do or just improvise weird things to try and spice things up? Um, awesome. We've put we've put mechanics as well of being like, do you go for a transformative like career change? So do yeah. you do the thing that we see now? Like, do you do a Bob Odenkirk and go from the comic <laughs> relief to suddenly to action hero? Yeah. Because we have mechanics in there for like, I want to shift what I'm doing with my career as at like so certain cool. moments, if you get a bad yeah. review. Um, so yeah, so it's all in there, but it's, it's the thing that we believe most, I think at Parable is that mechanics are like good mechanics to us are mechanics that, enrich the gaming experience but most of all like generate story generate drama yeah. and help kind of like deepen and enriching character at the table well i think it's so it's so important that you have that in a role-playing game you know um so for instance like i said to you before we started i i play DD &D every night on a wednesday at the moment i'm the um you know i'm, I'm the dm and um there's, there is a lot of that, you know, asking characters, well, how do you feel about this certain situation? You know, getting them to role play and describe how the character's feeling because it makes all of the stuff that you do in game so much more effective. You know, it's not just rolling dice and, and doing that. It's also telling the story and talking about how these characters mm. feel, how they are in this. So it's really cool to have these kind of mechanics. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like stir I like stirring an emotional pot. Like yeah. so um as, as an example, like one of my favorite artifacts so far that we've designed for Slasher 
is um and it's a classic thing i've noticed in films is your ancestor can leave voice messages okay um so you know there's a there's a little trope in films that i've noticed of being like somebody who's lost someone occasionally rings a phone and they listen back to the voice message yeah um so so it kind of plays on that and it's kind of like once per doom quarter you can listen to a voice message and like have that moment and yeah and like have have this link with someone who's passed away um and have that kind of impact your character like in a fundamental yeah. way and, and yeah that's that's <laughs> the fundamental core of it of just being like i'm gonna make this player really care about their kind of links to the past and and kind of yeah. have like an emotional connection there i love it man it's so cool you know because that's you. what you should do with these characters you know and when whenever i'm playing as a character it you get so into it. i think if you're into tabletop rpgs and stuff it's not just as simple as oh i'm gonna make this you know i'm gonna make this character this is what their stats are gonna be the background you think about their life and how they've grown and how they've done stuff so being able to kind of do that and maybe have that generational bit of a character you might have played or a, you know having a meta game of their actors and this is the films but there's stuff going on it's, it's such a cool concept um and looking at you know i know you mentioned that there is kind of a story um throughout both blockbuster and slasher um but is there kind of similar tools to creating your own stories you know is there like a, a bestiary where there are stats for maybe a shark or a giant <coughs> crocodile or something like that, where we could kind of make our own blockbuster stories. Absolutely. So in terms of um, the stories themselves, each one will be populated with like a broad variety of creatures. Some of them like kind of being in what I would call optional scenes. They're not ones that you actually need to put into the, the story. If you're scenes, running it yeah. from the book, deleted scenes as it were. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, trying to, um, Blockbuster especially, I think, is there for um, giving you kind of a broad variety of enemies that, like, touches on those different elements of Blockbuster. Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, kind of like a, a blo- like a big block beastry at the back of the book, um, no, it's all populated throughout the okay, story. Yeah, cool. But the thing that we encourage is, like, if this is something that you like, pull it out and put it elsewhere. Yeah. Like, it's they're, they're trying to design stuff. Like, uh, the way I always think about things is kind of, I want this to like be a satisfying story to play straight from the book. But also I get really excited when I see players basically be like, I really like that enemy. I'm going to pull that out and do a yeah. whole story about them or like mix and match stuff. And, and that's, and that's kind of the, the ethos that we've had with it of um that we didn't want to just give like a big load of enemies and go, here you go. Like, yeah. like go for it. Uh, we wanted to be like, give you a good amount of enemies, but also be like, here's a like you know a story you can play so you can kind of get a feel of how you could run things and what you could do with them um, and kind of provide some elements of inspiration to then go on so you can you know play the giant shark story um but then go like see how it works in that story but then go on try other things or or make modifications make your own like kind of terrifying megalodon and play the main (laughs) um and go crazy with it um and with slasher there's going to be a lot of advice in there about building your own slasher um so that's kind of one of the mechanical more mechanical sections is um talking about uh like react tables talking about different styles of slasher digging into the genre so that kind of conversation we had about you know like kind of like the slow moving like immortal um that that, that, those elements so that's something we're talking about in the book um as well like like the this kind of like how do you 
approach making that and that combined with the how to make your own enemies in the core book um it's kind of just more advice that's less general it's like really yeah. digs into the genre um i'll kind of like love for the genre um and and what elements you can pull so if you have an idea for a slasher and you've got a rough idea of how they behave we can identify it um yeah figure out where it fits in within the kind of canon of genre uh, a canon of slashes and give you a, a road map to yeah. making that slasher reality very quickly yeah well i guess it it kind of goes into the open gaming license in a way um mm. which i think we spoke about before um and obviously shiver does have its own kind of developing community on on reddit and facebook um and have you seen much use of the open gaming license or have many people kind of got to you about any one shots or stories that they've kind of fed back so i know um I've actually got my Discord here, so I'll just open nice. it up. There was definitely someone in the creative space who was uh, who is looking at doing like their own weird West. That's it, the dreaded West. Yes, um, I saw that. Uh, I saw the dreaded yeah, West. Yeah, like doing their own weird West. Um, just a, a note, I would also, I would love to do a weird West setting in the future. That yeah, that might awesome. be in the cards at some yes. point. But I'm, <laughs> but I'm very, but I'm very excited that someone's already identified of being like, oh yeah, we can really play weird West with this. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing that. Um, I've got some um, friends who are like kind of who have like helped play test because yeah. of that, and they've gone away and they've written stories and I've played them, and I think we're looking at like I'm kind of giving them some pointers to polish those up. So we might help them get those out into yeah. the world very, very soon as well. So um, I'm sure they won't mind me kind of mentioning uh, <laughs> kind of like roughly. So we've got one that is all around a kind of spooky lighthouse in the nice. 1920s, um, kind of on in, in like isolated Scottish islands. Um, and uh, my uh, another friend has come up with one that's kind of all like in the Arctic, it's okay. very strange kind of going on and and it's kind of like kind of very uh like kind of weird science uh kind yeah. of type stuff and it's like yeah no very 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 interesting and it's just very nice seeing um i mean just like looking at those you've got like 1920s like folk horror um you have uh weird west and you kind of have like modern like something kind of close to like annihilation yeah. um into kind of tone and it's and it's yeah just seeing the vast amount of things that people are doing um in terms of and like the vast areas of like the, the all the little subgenres that people are like delving deep down into is just very very satisfying and we're hoping we see more of that what i'm hoping is is that we'll see some third party content released and okay. then i hope well, that that will open the the floodgates for people of being like see because i think that's always the thing with a system isn't it if like if you see the first written example that somebody's published and put up on drive through and it's being shared around the community then it's like this is awesome i this, can do this yeah, too do this. It, it, yeah. it, 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 it is a reality because at the moment we're we're still very early on um in shiver's journey as a system and yeah. um and where i'd love to get to is uh kind of where D D and call of cthulhu are at with the miskatonic yeah. repository and um uh the adventure i or dm's guild uh yeah. kind of like thing um with like yeah, and, and just kind of have that community that's like making their own stuff and, you know, kind of finding their corner of horror that they love so much and making yeah. games for them because that's, well, that's the thing yeah. I, yeah. I think it's so accessible. And like you said, there's so, there's so much scope within horror. And as you said earlier, it is a broad church. And I mean, the, the core book itself has 
the, I think I think that the classes are fantastic. You know, going through the fool and the weird and the warrior, and then thinking, well, actually, could, the warrior could be you know a 16th century vampire hunter, or it could be you know uh, a high school jock. There's so much scope there for what these what these things could be that it is. It, it's you're not tied down to one particular setting. And that's why, you know, I'm kind of really excited to get into that. Um, and that kind of brings me quite nicely onto our next question, because I believe you're one of the lead writers on it, aren't you, Charlie? Yes. So I'm uh, so, so, I, so I've been lead writer for um, the, so, so the core rule set. Uh, I was, I'm the lead writer for and I was for Gothic as well. So for yep. the two Gothic books um, for Blockbuster and um slasher we have a slightly different dynamic so we've brought on um adam holloway um someone i know is a very talented writer so we trained together at university in script writing okay. and he his knowledge of slasher films so adam is the person i credit with getting me into slasher films nice um he's incredible um so I think the I'm way that, that with him on twitter i think you yes i think you yes. have yes yes <laughs> he, he's he, yes he, he's more active on social media than me i'm a bit of a luddite uh sometimes but um but yeah no um so in terms of the way that kind of Shiver uh, of Blockbuster and Sasha um, have kind of like worked for the books is we discussed and brainstormed like Adam pitched ideas. Like, uh, so I kind of threw out the, the, those mechanical arcs that we're talking about, about yeah. multi-generational story that's interconnected for Sasha and for Blockbuster, this idea of like a studio's like life of like a, a like a bunch of movies that they're outputting and yeah. they're a bit shade and they're a bit shady um and then kind of like discussed went back and forth and then we like beated out the stories together um yeah. figured out what they were and then adam's writing those and then i'm acting as his editor so i'm kind of going okay. through and like providing feedback and like input on a story front and that, but i'm writing the mechanical spines so like all the stuff with the inheritance system yeah okay. the, the road to stardom that's yeah. the bit that i'm i'm kind of focusing on this time so this one is going to be a writing collaboration between me and Adam, so I get to co-write awesome. something, which yeah. is which is really fun. I'm loving it. It's it's really really nice. Um, yeah, it must be quite uh, a different concept, you know, like quite a yes. different process co-writing. Mm, yeah, Gothic was very I am um, you know locked in a room uh, with my <laughs> with my ink and quill like yes. scribbling away like like a mad Gothic author is what yeah, it felt like by using that massive yeah. that massive tome. But now it feels. I mean, I've I love collaborating um, in general, yeah. and Adam's been a a regular collaborator of mine for a while so it's been a really nice experience of bringing more people kind of into the shiver fold and working on stuff together oh, so yeah so so that's, yeah. So, so that's kind of um how the kind of behind the scenes on how blockbuster and slasher are being put together yeah um because there's i don't know if you're familiar but uh token apparently said that there mm. were two different kinds of writers there was mm. the architect which likes to sit down and plan everything out um and then there's the gardener who obviously starts and then just kind of develops ideas as he goes along and i was wondering mm. you know when you are writing these do, or you're coming up with the concept is it that you think about exciting encounters and then how you've got to bring it all together or is it you start well actually maybe you, you've looked and you've researched about gothic you know influences or blockbuster mm. influences and you sit down and kind of just write it and see how it grows it's it's i'm a bit of a mixture sometimes but i think i whenever i'm starting a project i tend to be way more of a I know a lot of my kind of screenwriting friends will agree with this very much more of an architect. Yeah. I was always the one who would step back and I would, you know, kind of 
sort out the beats of my story, figure out the overall structure and shape of it, yeah. and then start writing. When I kind of tend to write, though, I'm very of a opinion of the most important thing with writing for me, and this is advice I give to any writer, if you're doing screenplays, if you're doing prose, if you're doing game books, um, is just keep going to the end. Like, don't, yeah. don't let something snag you. And like, if you get stuck on a paragraph and you find yourself rewriting a paragraph over and over and over again, leave it, move on, mark it in red, come back to it. It's, yeah. it, it's honestly seeing it's the seeing the woods for the trees as, as, it, as it were it, it's being able to get to the end and seeing the whole shape of something yeah. um and then that's when you become the gardener um i will say though i i'm generally of a of an opinion of that if you're think of it this way you're planning out a hedge mage right yeah. um so you, at that point you're going to be an architect you're going to figure out all the nooks and the crannies like where the wrong turns are, where the right turns are, and finally, what's the satisfying thing at the center of the maze? Yeah. Um, when it comes to like growing that maze and getting it kind of built up, um, it might be a bit messy at first. It may not look exactly the way that you want it to, but as soon as you can kind of get it in the rough shape and you can go back and look at your plan, then you become a gardener trimming that back, neatening it up until it is like your hedges are pristine, like it's the experience that you want and it just... Yeah kind of everything kind of sings together in kind of a perfect harmony. So my advice is kind of, I, I play both sides, but at yeah. different times of the creative process. Although I will say for Blockbuster and Slasher, it's been quite interesting because obviously I've been more, very much an architect at the yeah. start of the project and then a gardener for someone else's work, yeah. um, okay. which has been a very different dynamic. Um, but that, the, but in terms of kind of the hedge mage uh, kind of analogy, that's very much how I did Gothic. And that was also combined with another unique thing of that. I would write, write stuff out roughly. So I'd plan stuff, write stuff out roughly as, as what I tend to call a vomit draft. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, but then I would keyly, I would say this, if anyone's aspiring to be kind of a games writer, I would then play it. I would yeah. test play it with people because then I could kind of... Playing. A lot of test playing, yeah, and, and just kind of because then you can see the bits that are like are are working, the bits that aren't working, and then also like sometimes like your interaction with players, they just do something or interact with something in a way that you never really expected. That's actually like yeah. this is an amazing moment, and then you can make some just small te tweaks, some little trims with your gardener shears to your writing yeah. to guide people towards an experience that is more akin to that because it's something that you would only, there are certain things and certain experiences you can only realize that are actually present in your own writing once you get them to the table. Yeah. And then getting them to the table allows you to refine that so other people can experience that joy as well. So yeah. that's that that's kind of the dynamic with testing, I would say. That and also like just finding out where stuff's royally broken, because that does happen. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, yeah. so <laughs> much balancing, isn't there? Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so what what does a day in the life of powerful games look like you know when you how does an idea go from the concept to actually being put out there you know oh it's quite a, a weird journey so in terms of now it's quite different compared to the the early days of it because now yeah. we we have the next three to five years of like shivers project line planned okay, awesome. so so I know what's happening after Blockbuster and Slasher. I know what I'm working on. I've already yeah. done some notes on it. 
can't say what it is. Yeah, I'm not going to uh, try. I've, 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 unfortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I can I can feel feel my my brother's hand yeah. hovering over my, over my shoulder, being like, "Don't do it." Um, and but then also the project after that, which also has yeah. kind of notes and elements on it, um, potentially interconnecting stuff we've already done. Who knows? Maybe okay. you'll see. Yeah. Um, it, it's yeah. Is there a grand master plan? I hope so. Um, <laughs> but it, but it, but in terms of kind of like where my ideas generally start is with inspiration um for me it's like watching things reading things interacting with the world like doing as much stuff as possible because i think it's very easy to kind of fall down a with me just waxing philosophical for a moment of like it's very easy to fall down the rabbit hole of just churning out content and churning out work that then gets stale very quickly because you're not doing anything else you're not interacting with anything else and and for me that's like one of the biggest things is like take breaks go watch movies talk to your family go like watch tv go see theater read books like do all of that because like for me that's the stuff or or like you know going to museums and historical sites like occasionally you just like stumble on a very weird bit of folklore um or history that's like that would make a really good idea for a story what could i do with that how could i twist that and play and play around with that and this usually manifests itself on my phone in the notes app of me bullet pointing (laughs) um random stuff i'll tell you what i'll treat you i'll just i'll give you a sense of i'll I'll give you a sense of like how my brain works of um the stuff that's not being developed into anything else yet um (laughs) that is just (laughs) the way of random things in here of here so 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 sometimes it is just um uh like titles for stories that i want to tell yeah. so like for one of them I, i've just written down jailhouse croc you, you're gonna know you're gonna notice there is a, there is a theme for me with if i find a pun title excellent and that one for me and i've written by it like a log line thing of like um prisoners in a high security facility uh a giant crocodile gets in through the sewers go from there that's all i put um one one of them i've just put slasher abracastabra and it's a magician style slasher (laughs) it's it's i like the commitment to the puns yeah no it's got leech leech undead wizard wizard versus mexican wrestlers okay um um, and then it's uh like um various i've done a little rhyme here about uh whether santa claus was a slasher and having okay. a whiskey breath attack because he's a mall Santa. <laughs> um, it's, it's like all, all, all sorts. So it's just quite often that's the way that it starts. It's yeah. And I and I say that's that's one thing I'd recommend to anyone who kind of wants to kind of start writing or things like just have a way or a method that you note stuff down. Don't let I mean sometimes you, you, you do start to learn how to pass the ideas. I mean, like some of those are like I mean, I would say like those are ones that are currently not in the bin, but they're in a little but pen. The, yeah. <laughs> in, 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 in the little pen of like, because ultimately I want to do jailhouse croc, but where does it fit? it's one of those weird it's one of those weird ones where it will probably be released as a one shot one day when in a manic in a manic phase i just decide to write it and release it to the internet um but 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 yeah but having that method of like writing stuff down noting stuff down getting those ideas out of your head and storing them elsewhere because otherwise you'll forget them or they'll drive you mad like it's it's one of the two or sometimes both um because you can get driven mad by the fact you've forgotten it um (laughs) So, so, so that's where it starts. And then usually it, it then goes from what are we actually working on at the time? What are we working towards? Are those ideas a fit for what we're doing? 
Um, And then it becomes more of a discussion with the team. So quite often uh, I'll have a sit down with my brother, Barney. Um, So for those who don't know, uh, he's uh, my business partner. Um, he also acts as my editor, cleaning up all of my grammar mistakes. Uh, he's also he's been in the game industry for a long time as well, so he's very good with balancing rules. So he's been helping with that. So on the first book, yeah. we worked together on the core rule set with him working as my editor and and kind of like sorting out uh, kind of a lot of the mechanical stuff and kind of guiding me through that. Um, so for him, it's like we will sit down, and quite often I will have siphoned out what i think is the best from that rambling pitch of madness and yeah. we'll talk about it and just talk about like being like i'm having ideas for this this and this what um kind of because this is the thing with this is like with art is that there is an element of like we are commercializing it you're having to sell it you're having to think yeah. about if, if i'm going to make this story like how where does it fit in so this yeah. is where the jailhouse croc element comes in <laughs> that's why it's still there and i'm happy talking about that one because it doesn't really fit anywhere yeah um at the moment, um, but when we have a, a bit more of a robust system for one shots, uh, then, then it would. Yeah. Then I am. I God damn it, jailhouse croc will be a thing. And I need, <laughs> but I need. I need. I need to get off fixating on jailhouse croc and move on. Um, but it sounds um, like a, a kind of straight to Amazon Prime movie featuring yeah. Dolph Lundgren kind of vibe. I, I'm really into it. <laughs> exactly. Like, like I, I, I think that's almost like what I need to do is just create a collection of one shots that is basically called straight to VHS. Yes. Um, that's like that's that, that's kind of where my brain's at with those. But anyway, so quite often it's um, I'll have been ruminating on something and then we'll start putting together the puzzle pieces of yeah. what that product is. So like with the slasher um, kind of one, it was like, well, we want to explore that subgenre. So we started there. So we started talking about different slashes. Um, yeah. Then kind of like if we're doing it as a rule book, are they just one shots? Are they interconnected? How are they interconnected? Yeah. And then like from that discussion, I had the light bulb, the inheritance system and it being the way that we theme it is through decades and through time yeah. and coloring it that way. So then we can explore the full range of it. And then from there, like Adam got brought into the mix and then he's throwing ideas into the pot as well. And then yeah. we're kind of all working together. And then all of a sudden, like we have, from there it then becomes more organized we have a page plan uh, which yeah. is you know planning what's going to be on every page uh, kind of roughly um breakdowns for each story um and then we're setting off and writing um our our kind of individual bits so adam kind of working on some of the stories and me working on on the mechanical parts um i will be writing some story stuff for blockbuster and slash as well because i'm going to be doing the i'm going to be doing the dinosaur nice. one for the starter set because i'm obsessed with jurassic park so i, I don't blame you that. and there's a little part of me that couldn't let that one go i was like i don't want yeah. to do my dinos um <laughs> but yeah but i think Ad- adam's definitely going yeah, i think adam will work as my editor for that one yeah um, to, so to make sure i don't go 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 too far off the dinosaur yeah. rails um uh, so so yeah um so, so that's where and then we kind of break up that work and we develop yeah. stuff and and then it's all about putting that together into what we call a minimal viable product of being like kind of what is the base minimum of like that we can, we know what's going in the book. We can explain it. Um, it's yeah. being worked upon. And then that's when you get to your crowdfunding territory, you put that together. You, um, we get some of the sample art together. So obviously Ben has been brought into the mix at this yeah. point as well. We've started talking to him about art. Um, so like uh, one of the big things is, is that although, it's all in Ben's art style. There are quite big discussions that happen with every book about how art's approached. So yeah. with Blockbuster, it's more it's more bright, it's more colourful, it's more evoking the the films that they're from. Yeah. Um, in, in terms in terms of palette, 
um, is, is, a, is a, a palette and tone. Um, with Slasher, um, the way that we've approached it, which some of you may have guessed from seeing some of the bits of the art so far that we've done in advertising, um, each bit of art we decided upon um, was, was going to be inspired and styled in the medium that it would have been shot. So in oh, 50s, yeah. it's like the dawn of like dodgy colored television with scan yeah. lines. 80s, it's the RGB separation. 1930s, it's kind of all slightly sepia toned and film scratched and grained. Yeah. Um, so, so, so there's a more tactile um, kind of texturing and feeling to the time period that it's in. So, so that yeah. was another discussion that we're having, uh, that we had um, in the process. And Ben's and then, yeah, the, incredible, isn't it? You know, um, oh, he's he's incredible. Like he, I think he's gone from strength to strength. The every every drawing he does, every illustration yeah. he completes, it just gets better and better and better. Really? And I keep throwing crazier yeah. and crazier <laughs> and crazier stuff at him. Um, I mean, also we're just uh, just throwing a mat. Just today we were talking about a mad scene for the. Um, for the starter set, which I won't spoil, but no, um, but yeah, but he sent me back some pencils for that, and I was like, "This is just incredible that I can just well, that, throw, out, what, throw out these yeah. mad scenes, and and they and now they're here." It's, that's yeah, what drew wonderful. me into it. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> was it was there was it was just some of the drawings of it, you know, uh, and I think it was early when the first campaign might have been going. I just somehow, you know, saw this thing called Shiver, and I saw it was a. I think there was kind of a jock guy with a with an axe and then there was also you know like a, a drawing of like a werewolf and some uh some kind of werewolf hunters and i was thinking like this system is in it I, I was trying to get my head around it because it's almost like if you for instance if you play D, which mm. i do then D is a fantasy setting if that makes sense mm. so everything that you see will be historic it's it's not often you see it cross the line and you know you see D D in a modern day setting um mm. you might have to you know if yeah. you want to play guns in D, you might have to adapt 40k yeah. or something like that you yeah know? i was gonna say not without a um and so that's the <laughs> thing with D, and i think there's a lot of flexibility there but like if you want to do a setting that is outside the the kind of a uh, fantasy like like kind of medieval yeah. era fantasy norm um there's a lot of hacking and yeah. modifying required and i think that was always the goal with shiver and i'm really glad that's coming across and it's something that people are, are enjoying like yourself is by making it setting neutral by giving it yeah. this agnostic quality in terms of what it can achieve it does mean that you can be like peasants or knights fighting demon boars or yeah you know like the jock his cheerleader girlfriend and the, and the nerd <laughs> fighting a slasher at high school in the yeah. 1980s or being ripley and shooting off to fight the xenomorph um on lv uh whatever the planet number yeah. is um like in, in, in the far-flung future like you can do it all and that's the i think that i think that's to me is it came from like not trying to kind of you know capture as many players as possible it was more being that's what i feel about horror is that yeah. horror horror is everywhere it's in every subgenre. it's in every yeah. corner of time and space um and like there are so many stories that can be told with it um so why not make a system that can do that yeah. um, that can, that can explore that and then that's what all of these books are about now that's what the expansions are about is we see it as being deeply modular in that um, the core system will allow you to run anything. You could run a slash, as you know, you can run a slasher story with the core yeah. system. But the idea with slasher is it's giving you more tools, it's giving you the inheritance system that you can plug in 
and yeah. basically enrich that subgenre corner um, for yourself and your players. And then, but it doesn't mean, and but then with the inheritance system, it's like if you want to tell a, you know, go back to medieval England and like talk about a, you know, a let's say a family tree of knights, yeah, um, like Game of Thrones style, that's being haunted and harried by monsters across multiple generations. With the inheritance system, you can do that as well. Like yeah. it's this idea that um, we're giving an example for something mechanical that's fully modular. Like you don't need the inheritance system to play it, but it opens up new story opportunities um, for you to explore and new ways to tell that story. So I think that's the thing that interests me the most is how we can change and and like explore new approaches in storytelling at the tabletop. Yeah, and and usually that kind of comes from new mechanics. Um, and kind of um, kind of shifting gears back to what it's been like kind of working on it. I think last time you were on the show, you were you were just doing things in spare times and evenings, but now you're working on it full time. Mm. Um, you know, how has kind of life changed for you since being able to work on show full time? It's it's starting to sink in. It's been about three and a bit months now, I think, yeah. since I I left my job. So I um I used to work as a technician at a university. Uh, on a film and TV production course, um, yeah. uh, was was my was my original job, and yeah, no, it was very much that like ste- stealing evenings, stealing like the odd hour here and there to finish stuff. And now that I can kind of can sit down and be like, this is my full time job now. I am a game designer. Like it, it does, it doesn't feel weird saying that anymore. Yeah, like there isn't this. It, it's yeah, it, it's something that i think i felt quite strange i think there there is a obviously a different air of stress around it of being like i have to make sure this needs to be successful it needs to pay my bills like that 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 is a bit of a dynamic change um but i wouldn't trade it for the world because it gives me more time to um kind of actually think about the work and really dig into it and not feel this overwhelming pressure um of of kind of like trying to juggle kind of multiple balls in the air but the main thing that it's given me is more time to like, we can go to conventions now. So that's something yeah. new. Like we never really had time to go do conventions um, before now because um, we, we were both so tied up um, yeah. with, with kind of other work that it meant, it meant that it was getting to conventions was very, very difficult uh, with our schedules, but also there's other stuff now of like, I can interact with the community more. Which yeah. is just kind of like, because ultimately it would kind of come down to it. Of like, if I get home from work and I've got three hours spare, um, that's going to be working on the game so I can release it to the community. Yeah. Um, but kind of like kind of interacting and kind of building that community is difficult when you have less time. So, so that's been, been a really nice element and seeing that kind of organically grow. But yeah, no, it's just having that space to really create and really plan stuff out yeah. far and ahead is it and i think that's now why we're just like yeah no shiver has a long sustained future um for us in terms of what we want to do with it and as long as um people still like what we're doing they still kind of are playing the game and are enjoying it i mean i'm gonna keep going um awesome. and that's the thing <laughs> and, and it's like, i i to be honest i i wouldn't want to go back to anything else i'm absolutely loving it unabashedly it is it's well, that's what yeah, you so, want isn't it man you know yeah i think is it, that's is it, anything yeah. it's a bit of a dream i will i will say that it's that satisfying thing of that the road to get to this point has been 
long. Yeah, <laughs> is what I said. It, it, this has been kind of like five or six years of just like that that stealing time, as it were, yeah. from other things and and making sacrifices. Because when you're doing this kind of stuff um, under a full time job, like is again just more advice for if, if this is some a, a route that people want to go down, is that in order to kind of get stuff out and get stuff done and stick to deadlines that you set to yourself, there will come a time where you do have to make sacrifices, the odd party you can't go to, yeah. the, the odd thing that kind of happens that, that you need to kind of prioritize it over something else. But ultimately it is to kind of not put people off, to encourage people is that like ultimately like when that kind of comes due and that hard work pays off, like, you, you all of a sudden it's like it, it is successful enough it is sustainable enough that that is your thing that, yeah that you that you've put that work in to grow something and then and then see it flourish and then be able to have that as your sustainable like life that's yeah. that's something else I mean, so, it's yes. incredible to be able to do that isn't it yes no it's crazy but yes so so any, anyone kind of wanting to create stuff honestly like get out there just start just start throwing stuff out there and and kind of like kind of seeing seeing what you can kind of create um because yeah i, I want to see it i want to see more stuff being made <laughs> by indie creators like the, the the indie scene is thriving so much right now and there's so much interesting stuff out there i'd say and, and i say there's so much support and the kind of community is just growing and growing and growing i don't think there is a better there has been a better time to get into this space creatively no, um and, and i yeah. yeah and i think I mean, going back to to D and D specifically, but D and D's had such a massive boom in the past couple mm. of years that people, more people than ever, are playing tabletop RPGs. You know, mm. um, that's one thing that you've kind of got to think is is really positive about, about that. Is loads mm. of people are playing tabletop RPGs at work. There's about, mm. I think, there's. So I've I've obviously run in a game. Somebody else has their own game, and there's about two other people who play. If this was ten mm. years ago, fifteen years ago, nobody would probably be talking about playing it because it wasn't something mm. that you know people were openly discussing, saying, oh, "I play, mm. I play tabletop RPGs." And but I think for those who who do or who may potentially like giving it a try, the good thing about Shiver is that it is so accessible and there is so much that you can adapt to it. Mm. You know. It's not, you know, you don't have to pretend that you're, you know, like a, a dragonborn or you don't have to yeah. go quite to that role playing level. But, but, you know, you've got elements in there yeah. you can do. I, yeah, I, I, I think kind of what I'd say to that is, is like on the D&D front, like I'm, I'm never one for bashing of the systems. And the thing is, is like D&D is just responsible for what got me into the hobby. Without yeah. D&D, Shiver wouldn't exist because I, I wouldn't have discovered RPGs in the way that I yeah. did um and kind of uh, kind of started thinking about writing and designing my own system the one thing i would say is that the thing the, the thing that kind of we're experiencing is that with dnd's market dominance still because it is just the biggest rpg yeah, in is, the world yeah. um that it's seen very much as the beginner system it's like where you start but ultimately it's not that like the thing is is there are so many systems out there and this is kind of what we aimed with uh, kind of another kind of objective for Shiver for what we wanted it to be was a system that wasn't intimidating and was accessible to as many players as possible. Because I think I, I spoke to this a little bit last time I was on of being like some of the design tenets for Shiver 
uh, with the dice being symbolic came from a lot of my friends uh, kind of are dyslexic or dysnumerate yeah. or struggled. Basically, they saw the character sheet for something like D&D or Call of Cthulhu where, where there is a heavy numerical element and they yeah. found it intimidating. They found it scary. They found it hard to kind of onboard onto. Um, and kind of with Shiver, what I really want it to be uh, for a lot of people is, yes, a way to kind of, you know, take their favourite horror movies to the tabletop, definitely, and, and the kind of any pop culture artefacts that they deeply love, but also a easier point of entry into the hobby to kind of keep people kind of coming into the hobby, growing the RPG community um, more and more, and, and making sure that people don't feel excluded because the system feels prohibitive to them. Um, yeah. and, and, I, and I think that's that's a big part of it. So what I'm saying is, is that if you're thinking about starting TTRPGs, uh, consider Shiver RPG as a start <laughs> RPG, uh, is, 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 is what we're hoping. I mean, and that's what we're hoping with the game found because um, yeah. this is the first time we're doing starter sets. Um, so for Shiver, Blockbuster and Slasher, we have themed um, starter sets that are coming out. Okay. Um, for the first time in, 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 uh, in like a boxed format. So yeah. you'll have a condensed version of the rule set, um, an original version, uh, an original adventure um, that's exclusive to the, to the box set. Um, so for Blockbuster, I've already alluded to it. Uh, it's Welcome to Hollow World. It is a, a billionaire uh, with too much money and very little sense who has carved <laughs> out a hollow in the earth and has created <laughs> a park for dinosaurs. Amazing. Um, as, well, as well as other prehistoric critters as well. Um, not just the old dinos as yeah. other horrors they've cooked up down awesome. there. And evidently, you're going on a tour and it's all going to go wrong. Um, so that's what you kind of want Blockbuster, but it has everything that you need. So there'll be pre made character sheets, yeah. um, but kind of a condensed version of the rules, the adventure, dice, um, everything all in contained. So you can play, you know, like a game over a night or a couple of nights and introduce your friends to Shiver. Um, or if you're wanting to start Shiver for the first time, it's the perfect place to kind of begin. And then yeah. Slasher on the other side has every, every um, all the same kind of features, um, but the adventure for there is Return to Camp Blood, where okay. you're a group of camp count. It's classic, you know, your teenagers, yeah. camp counselors, you know, you're by the lake. You're um, meat and potatoes. Yes, but you find yourself, it's Return to Camp Blood because you find yourself working at a camp where a slasher event has already taken place 10 years ago. Um, um, and you're in the wake of potentially uh, those troubles waking yeah. up once again um is all i will say don't want to spoil oh. any more of the story there but that's yes awesome. but, but that's but that's what we're doing to try and encourage more people it's the hobby and ownership as a system is providing those starter sets as well as the expansion books as well as a, as a as a way to get into shiver um kind of nice and quickly yeah well i've kind of got one more uh question and i think this is this could be an interesting one mm-hmm. uh because we are seeing a lot more horror licenses being brought into kind of video games or board game formats so for instance i mean just this this year you know we've had an evil dead video game we've got a texas chainsaw video game next year killer clowns from out of space um are there any dream licenses that you'd love to adapt to shiver and if so which franchises slash characters do you think would be the most conceptually interesting oh that's an interesting one so we have had some chats about licensing before okay. not stuff i can kind of disclose yeah, yeah. at the moment um but it's it's definitely something that as a team o- overall like in general yeah. like we've we've thought about um kind of quite heavily in terms of if i had to pick one so for me one of the things that i would personally quite like to do um if they were game for it if you're listening um 
whoever now owns Hammer Horror, um, is to basically just have access to the back catalogue of Hammer Horror um, and the likenesses of Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing and go absolutely wild with it. Because I think that that bright, like splattery colour style of Hammer, I think it would be beautiful with Ben's artwork. I the range of stories that they tell it's kind of um it kind of is it has similarities like with gothic with what we've already done but yeah it kind of has that kind of level of camp and britishness to it that yeah. is is very very interesting um so so i think that's definitely in terms of like a kind of back catalog of work um from a studio hammer yeah. i think would be would be very interesting um because i know that there's a lot of love out there for it but it's kind of fallen by the wayside because they kind of their horror output teetered off in the late 70s really yeah um but yes but i know that there's there's lots of kind of fans out there if you've not seen the original christopher lee dracula go and do it it's great so yeah. fun. Um, in terms of um individual films um well my, my favorite film is the thing um, yeah like john carpenter's the thing Absolutely. i and I, I know there's been ball games Incredible. of that as well recently yeah. and i have so many ideas circling around my brain um for kind of what i would want to do with that um, other mechanical elements that you could introduce yeah um, with, with, with with the assimilation and and all of that i think that would be an absolute hoot and yeah. also like with the um the resurrection of predator with prey yeah recently i would love to approach doing a predator book that would um, be interesting that kind of like develops where we've gone with slasher because in a way to me the predator is a slasher but just sci-fi and on yeah. steroids um so so it's, <laughs> yeah so so, so, so you know, and, and, and it's yeah and i think like that and shiver in the way that they've gone from there's futuristic predator stories there's modern day predator stories and yeah. that one was set in the 1700s some might say shiver might be the perfect system to do that yeah um, it's, 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 so because because i would love to do that of almost taking a iconic horror character like the predator um and showing those stories. I mean, I saw people saying after Prado, like, we want to see a Ronin fighting the president yeah, in feudal Japan. Is. And I was like, I'll, it, it's like, if, if, if they want to talk about the license, yeah. uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. happily, I'll happily yeah. go for it. Cause that sounds absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I think I could probably just keep listing yeah. <laughs> is, is the problem with this yeah that's uh, it i mean i always thought nightmare on elm street would be a really interesting concept to do in a stri- shiver game because you've got kind of how would a dream world work how would sleeping work the fact that he isn't mm. so much of a traditional slasher you know you can have elements of shape shifting mm. but then also shifting the environment and playing with potentially like you have a, a fear mm. system in this and characters listing their fears being able to play around with that kind of in a way that you know where the director can actually go this is kind of the room that you're in now and yeah how things yeah. are playing I, out i think with freddy like kind of doing freddy krueger would be i, th- I think it, it, it's a given it'd be an absolute dream basically yeah. anything wes craven's done i think would be an absolute dream but like nightmare on elm street absolutely i mean the, the way i kind of see it in my brain for that and hopefully no one gets the license and sweeps <laughs> this out from underneath me um it is that kind of the way that freddie works is that he does prey on people's individual fears and yeah. in different realms represents a different way it's interesting you mentioned shape-shifting because that's probably what i would do is that like you give freddie a 
stat block that's actually quite weak in the physical yeah. world. But then for different styles of nightmares, um, he is a different style of enemy each yeah. time. Depend that's dependent upon the fear. Yeah. Um, and you do it that way. It's still the same flavor, it's still the crude jokes. Um, but it's but mechanically it's, it's an enemy. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's it's changing up all the time. And yeah, and, and yeah, sleep mechanics, dream mechanics, like characters trying to stay awake and solve the mystery. Because yeah. it gives you a very nice, like interesting flow of gameplay, doesn't it? Of like yeah. you have like the waking world and the dream world, and you're yeah. trying to and basically the more you go through the story, which we could definitely explore with like a doom calendar or doom clock, you're trying to stay awake and staying awake gets harder and yeah. harder and harder. So you slip more into the nightmare realm more often again and yeah. again and again. Um, and it just ramps up and up and up. So yeah, you, no, that'd yeah. be absolute dream. I'd love if to you wanted that. to go the, the dream warriors route, then you can have, you know, the characters classes, what they're like mm. in the physical realm. And then when they go into the dream realm, mm. you know, do they get separate skill trees and different attacks and stuff like that? So I think mm. there's so much scope there, man. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess that kind of wraps it up. Um, so thank you for, <laughs> you know, for joining me, Charlie. But um, where can our listeners find uh, Double Feature? And um, yeah, where can they go to to support this next adventure? So uh, Double Feature uh, for Shiver will be going live on GameFound on October 11th. Um, you can uh, find it kind of directly on GameFound. And um, fo- and if you follow the project now before we go live, uh, you get a free PDF, uh, which is going to be movie props and uh, equipment as weapons. Um, so if you if you fancy having that to plug into your favorite adventures, uh, please give us a follow. Um, if you're trying to find us on GameFound, um, you can find links all over our social media. Um, so we're on uh, Facebook at ShiverRPG. Um, you can find us on Instagram at, at ShiverRPG. Um, and on Twitter at, at Games Parable. Um, so you kind of all your links and stuff are there. Um, if you're interested in Shiver uh, now and you haven't given it a try yet um, and you'd like to kind of pick up one of the books maybe or some dice, um, we also have a web store now at www.parablegames.co.uk. Um, so uh, you can kind of have a browse through there and all the Shiver stuff um, is there to purchase as PDF or as physical copies now um, as well. Um, and there's also links to various... Um, things and the shiver website for the dice roller on there as well awesome well thank you for joining us charlie um and yeah as always if you've enjoyed the episode make sure to hit the subscribe button and leave us a lovely review and we will be back soon take care <laughs>